Welcome to Bible Believers Fellowship and the ministry of BBFOhio.com. I'm Pastor Greg, and I welcome you to our current events update and then our study in Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 18, titled, Scarce Restrain They the People. The conclusion of this two-part message can be found at bbfohio.com. As we now begin, this is part one of two. That's what you get whenever you don't have a paid sound person. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, number one, Israel at war, February 25th. And uh, this is day 142 since the October 7th attack. There are still 134 hostages remaining. And a possible hostage deal is in sight. I just um, I, I don't know whether I believe it, but that's what they're reporting. The Times of Israel um, says that uh, they met in Paris, I guess, and uh, the team said to agree on hostage deal outline. Uh, Hamas reportedly has softened some of their demands. Um, I don't know what that means, but from what I understand, Prime Minister Netanyahu has said, release the hostages or no deal. That's what I believe they should be saying and doing, but we'll see. Until then, the Israeli fight against Hamas continues unabated. Uh, the IDF chief of staff said that fighting is key for negotiating hostages release. And that's, uh, I believe, absolutely correct. The UN continues to curse and fight against Israel with little to no concern for the hostages held by Hamas. Um, the UN expert calls for immediate arms embargo on Israel. And uh, the UN is uh, going to be, if not the, it'll be part of the beast system. So we kind of expect this. Uh, the UN, whether it's called the United Nations or they change the name or whatever it happens when the beast arrives and takes over and uh, he will attack Israel, Revelation 12 uh, tells us all about that. Well, if the rapture happens anytime soon, it'll probably be some of the same guys cursing Israel from the UN now who will be working for the beast in the tribulation. Just keep think about that when you're dealing with these things, you see these guys. You're probably, possibly, looking at some of the very people who are going to serve the Antichrist. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we applaud the U.S. veto of the U.N. resolution for a ceasefire. We talked about that Wednesday night in our current events. But we continue to warn that the Biden administration is also working against Israel on a number of issues. For example, Biden, to appease Palestinians, reverses Trump policy on legality of settlements. And that is a clear contrast between the last two presidents and what they stand for and what you can expect, regardless, uh, in, you know, whichever one is elected, you know what's coming. And so we continue to obey Psalm 122.6 as we look at all that on that map representing the war on Israel coming from every direction and just uh, about to blow up could settle down, could blow up, we don't know. But we'll continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Amen? Amen. So number two, gun control. Of course, that's setting the stage for the beast system, dystopian reality that's coming. 
the Biden administration is working constantly and tirelessly to take your guns. Um, because they don't have a Democrat Marxist death cult majority in the Senate and the House, then Biden can't sign the laws to take your guns because he can't make law. He has to get the law passed through the House and Senate. They have to agree on it. The bill is then sent to him to be signed. And because of them not having a majority uh, in both uh, chambers, then they can't get these laws in the books. But let me tell you something. They would if they could. Yeah. And uh, they're trying to get around Congress. Uh, Biden gun rule being drafted to effectively ban private sales. The ATF has some non-Marxists in their midst who don't like what they're seeing and they're blowing the whistle and saying the Biden administration is going to try to work this thing to ban private sales. Now you say, well, that'll be thrown out in the Supreme Court. It might, but in the meantime, it'll have to work its way through there. And at the, in the meantime, they can, that's, what, that's the way the Democrat Marxist looks at things. That's the way the rhino Republican looks at things. They think, of course this is illegal, but we'll do it anyway because in the meantime, we'll at least stop it for that amount of time. And then when they throw this one out, we'll just do something else similar and it'll start the whole thing over again. And the effect is a ban for that amount of time at least. That's what they're doing. Why? Because this is a major step toward a gun ban and complete control over an enslaved population. And I'm going to tell you something that most preachers today just don't seem to have the backbone to say. And I don't care. If I'm surrounded by a bunch of cowards, I'll still tell you the truth. The truth is that the almost entire Democrat Marxist death cult and the leadership of the Republican Party want you to be slaves. And the only sure way to do that is to take your guns. And that's what their agenda is. The Biden administration asks U.S. Supreme Court to hear a ghost gun appeal. Ghost guns just mean that they're guns that people assemble themselves. So they don't have them in a registry, therefore the government can't come and get them. <laughs> That's what it's all about. They don't want, they're going to basically then rely on someone to narc on you and to tell the authorities that you've got guns that aren't registered and then they come and confiscate them. That's what they're trying to do. Why? Because they can't track and eventually confiscate guns they don't know anything about. They want your guns registered. That way they know where to come and get them. And they've been working on this for nearly three years. Another, this has been going on behind the scenes for nearly three years. Biden aims to sign on to UN's Global Gun Registration Treaty. The United Nations is assembling a treaty and all, according to our Constitution, in order for a president to get a treaty, he just has to go through the Senate. He doesn't have to go through both branches. And so the Senate is, uh, uh, I believe, I, I think they have enough globalists in the Senate to sign off on this. And so keep an eye on that. Why are they doing that? 
so that the illegal immigrant military they're building in America right now can confiscate your guns and arrest or shoot you for resisting international law and they won't have any qualms about doing it because they're not really Americans. Yeah. They're taking foreign illegals who have no allegiance to this country, nothing really in common with us, single fighting age men and now wanting to fill our military with those people. Anybody with two brain cells knocking together can understand what's happening. Amen. And anybody you know who's voting for this mess is either wicked, a devil with skin, or a fool. But these are the last days. Be informed, pray accordingly. All right, Acts 14, 8-18, we titled it right out of the text, Scarce Restrain They the People. Scarce Restrain They the People. We continue our study of Acts 14 where Paul and Barnabas will find the unbelievers attempting to declare them to be gods. <laughs> Isn't that wild? <laughs> Let's read about it. Acts 14, verses 8 through 18. You can read the even with me. So start right in verse 8 with me. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Amen. So Paul and Barnabas flee to Lystra and things get crazy. <laughs> we have the lame man healed which we kind of just take for granted, but you know what, if we had somebody in here who never walked since they'd been born, that'd be quite a thing to see that healing. Then we have the God-makers, <laughs> verses 11 through 13, then the anti-idolatry response. So let's start right there, verses 8 through 10. The lame man healed, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, and it's just important to have a bit of an idea where all this is taking place. And a lot of these places, it's, uh, 
interesting how many of these places are in modern-day Turkey. It's not far from Konya, uh, modern-day Turkey. I forgot to look up to see if Konya is where the uh, uh, type of coffee originated. Some of you, anybody looked that up this week? But on a map, it's up there with Antioch of Pisidia and Iconium that we've been talking about. By the way, it's in the area of Galatia, and so these people who become believers would be among the people Paul would later write the epistle to the Galatians to. But if you look at the big picture there, it's, uh, you see Antioch, which is in northern uh, Lebanon today, and then Cyprus is that uh, island out in the Mediterranean that kind of looks like an uh, anteater. And then above that is where we're at there, and Lystra is southwest of the ancient Iconium, which I said is modern Konya, in Turkey, near a village called Gokyrt. And there's a larger city called Gokyrt, so if you're ever in Turkey, don't get confused by that. You know. But from where they left, they took a 45-minute drive in Paul's Taurus. <laughs> but it is a nine-hour walk, so that's a pretty good walk. Uh, you think 49 minute drive, that puts us about Chillicothe from here. So I think that's about right. So it would take you about nine hours to walk to Chillicothe, I guess. But this is where, if you do go to Turkey and look for Lystra, that's what you'll see. It just looks like a, a mound. And uh, it's very interesting how um, mounds many times have turned out to be something more than a big pile of dirt. How many of you have been down to Chillicothe? Serpent mounds, yep. and but I understand there are several others in Ohio that I've never been to. What's it called? Oh, in High Banks. Yeah, I didn't know that until uh, I think Charlie might have been the one to tell me about it. What is it? Miamisburg mound. Miamisburg. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I was trying to think of. That's considered one of the most important in the country. It's right in Newark. Oh, <laughs> well, if you ignore the fiction, it's still very interesting. <laughs> but uh, it's in Newark, and part of it is on a golf course. And, yeah, it's supposed to be, you know, commandeered and everything because it's sacred ground or whatever, archaeological. So uh, it looks like nothing but a mound up there in Leicester, but people go up there, and they've actually found some very important uh, pieces of what's left of the city. It, I don't know if it was just uh, destroyed in war or what it is, but they found everything's kind of crumpled up and everything. I did, couldn't find any real good information about how it ended up where it is other than it was abandoned. Um, but anyway, that gives you an idea. And so verse 8 continues and says that this man was lame from birth. Uh, that's just an important thing. Uh, sometimes um, people can lose vision, and I'm one of them. I lost vision for two years. I was legally blind. I, I have this huge, you know, 24-point font Bible because I couldn't read anything. I, I even had to use a magnifying glass for this. That's how bad it got. And um, thought I was going to be like that the rest of my life. And then we just kept praying, Lord, if you be your will, heal, heal me. Otherwise, I'm, I, I'll do what i got to do, you know. And woke up one day, and I was healed. And I uh, went to my specialist, and he said, well, you might as well give the Lord credit. I didn't do anything. <laughs> and 
So uh, we believe in healing. Amen. Amen. But uh, it's something else when you see somebody. We had Martha with us who was blind from birth. Uh, my healing is wonderful. Amazing. If Martha had been healed, oh, yeah. I mean, that would have been a whole other level of amazement. So uh, it's also important for us to consider that to understand the thrill of being healed and uh, you have to put yourself in his sandals you know being lame I mean the guy never walked never walked so you keep that in mind as we continue with verse 9 the same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed now so Paul's teaching and this doesn't happen very often when I'm up here teaching um, you're all equally beautiful and you know I don't but once in a while, something will be going on and it will get my attention. And uh, there have been a couple times where I saw somebody getting sick or like passing out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you kind of look and you're like, you know, you kind of, what's going on there, that kind of thing. Well, in the spiritual sense, Paul is looking at this guy and he's probably just preaching. And he probably, the, the Spirit of God moved him to just zone in on him. And he realized God's going to heal this guy doesn't say God said, I'm going to heal him. You know, we don't know exactly. But somehow, Paul perceived that this man, and it says had faith to heal. He was a simple believer in Jesus. That's what it took. Paul didn't ask for a seed faith offering. Paul didn't preach and say, if you have enough faith. Did he? It's faith to be healed. Now, we want... Get this and move on. But I want to say this. Faith to be healed. It's not faith in our faith to get God to heal us. That's how the word faith charismatic nonsense is taught. It's telling you that if you have faith that your faith can get you healed, then you'll be healed. So the televangelists and the faith healers come in and they hit people in the head and blow on them and all that kind of thing. But if you're... If you most of the time they, there's no real healings taking place, I'm not saying there is never a healing taking place. I I won't say that. There are healings that take place because sometimes the condition is psycho psychological, as they say, a mental thing, um, and the, the excitement, and everything they can be healed. Uh, other times, I'm not God. I'm not going to say He wouldn't choose to heal somebody, even though the guy's a crook who's the, the faith healer up there. But the woman out here, or the man out here praying for healing, is a sincere believer. So God may heal them. I, I won't say one way, but I'll tell you this. It's all on video. They've got these guys. They're a bunch of crooks. They fake the healings all the time. And if you don't get healed, they don't take any blame, obviously, on themselves. It's your fault. You didn't have enough faith. That's not ever... Jesus never said, you're healed. Oh, now you didn't have enough faith. When God does the healing, you're healed. It's a simple faith in God and submission to His will, which is what Jesus demonstrated even in the garden. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. That's how we pray for healing. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, please heal me. Nevertheless, I submit to your will. That's the perfect prayer. Don't have to say a lot of words. 
Paul's response was an apostolic gift of spiritual discernment and healing that is not found after Acts. And so keep that in mind. You see these guys. I see the lady over here with the little puppy dog. And I know you've had a headache. And that, you know, that kind of thing. What they found out is they have a little piece in their ear and somebody's going around talking to people and getting notes and then they tell them what to say. It's all, uh, even back like in the 80s, they'd go to Radio Shack and get those cheap little things, you know, and they worked. And uh, that, that's not God. That's, that, that guy's a crook. Amen. And what Paul, he didn't have radios. He didn't have an earpiece. What Paul's doing is a special dispensation that we call the transition period, where the, ap the apostles had this for a temporary amount of time. But do you realize, we, you, some of you heard me say this before, but it needs to be pointed out that before Paul was dead, he no longer could heal people. Amen. And uh, who is it? Trophimus? He left at Miletus. Sick. Why did he leave him there sick? Because the transition was done. Paul was now getting old. And, and, and he didn't have the, the age didn't have anything to do with it. But I just mean the amount of years that had gone by. The purpose of these healing gifts was over, done. And so Paul didn't have that ability anymore. Yeah. And we've covered that before, but we're going to cover it again here in Acts. That don't ever lose sight of that. That God commanded the Jews to require a sign. Yeah. So that's why this is happening under the book of Acts. So we'll come back to that again, as I said, another time. Verse 10 says um, that Paul is speaking, and he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And what happened? And he leaped and walked. <laughs> that's that simple. Huh? Yes. And, it, you know, there's been times where... Uh, I, I think somebody sent me a link not too long ago. I can't remember who, which preacher it was. And he pulled a guy out of the wheelchair and told him to walk, and the guy just collapsed. <laughs> he had pronounced him healed in Jesus' name. And he pulls him out of the... And the guy falls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think he was hurt, but it was a pretty scary scene. But what we see here is nothing but just wonderful. I believe... You know, can you imagine when anybody dies or at the rapture? How many Christians are there right now that are uh, paraplegics, quadriplegics, people who are deaf, blind, and at the moment of the rapture, they're all healed? <laughs> the, the rapture will be the greatest healing service in human history. <laughs> But Satan stokes the unbelievers to ruin the moment. And uh, that's funny too because I can tell you uh, when I was healed, the first thing, uh, you know, I got some blowback from people uh, and I've seen it in other people who are healed and, you know, the people, well, I don't really believe that to what happened. I don't think that really, I don't think, you know. <laughs> it did. But there's always going to be this going on. Look at verses uh, 11 through 13. The God-makers. Verse 11. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying, Praise the Lord! 
That would have been the right response. <laughs> what they say in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. There's only been one time when a god came down as a man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. And it's not plural, it's the God who came down as the man, Christ Jesus. Uh, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, except for in your NIV, in your ESV, in your New, New American Standard Bible. Those Bibles don't say God was manifest in the flesh in that verse. Look it up. But in the real Bible, it does say that. Instead of giving God the glory, they give glory to men and make the men to be gods. That's their response. Now, this is really something that preachers got to watch out for, and there have been some preachers fall for it. Haven't you heard the phrase, they believe their press? People will just, they mean well a lot of times, but they'll build the preacher up like he's some, you know, specially... Uh, you know, going, God created most people, but on the, on the eighth day, He created this guy. You know what I mean? That, that guy. Listen, folks, whether it's me or name the favorite preacher, name the preacher that is the most respected that you know of, and we're going to see in a minute, He's no different from you. But, like John Wesley said this, How amazingly does the prince of darkness blind the minds of them that believe not? The Jews would not own Christ's Godhead, though they saw Him work numberless miracles. On the other hand, the heathen seeing mere men work one miracle were for deifying them immediately. If that's not an indictment of the wickedness of man, nothing else is.